Let's go ahead. We'll find our seats. Good to see everybody this uh, snowy morning. All right. Well, let's go ahead and we'll open up in a word of prayer and we'll get started with the song. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the weather, Lord. We thank you for the ability and the uh, privilege to come together. Lord, we just thank you uh, for this uh, service, Lord. May we bring glory to you, Lord, as we uh, worship you in song and in fellowship and later as we break bread together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. Let's stand together and praise his name. everybody today. Grab my notebook here. Did everybody get a bulletin? Everybody get a bulletin? All right. Uh, if you look at the, one of the inserts, uh, the 
got more information on the Indian Bible College uh, recruiting and fundraising tour. Uh, the information for the dinner and the breakfast is on there. It's going to be at Pablo Christian Church. That's in uh, Pablo, just south of here. Uh, it's right across the street, essentially, from the Pablo Foods there. Uh, Pastor Tanner Mack there, he, uh, um, I mentioned it to him at the pastor's meeting this last Wednesday, and, and he stepped up to the plate. So uh, uh, thank you for that. Uh, so please, if you get a chance, put that on your calendar and uh, come find out about Indian Bible College. But more importantly, um, you know, the mission of the Indian Bible College is to the Native American peoples. And so uh, if you know anybody in your circles uh, that is a Native American, please get them to this uh, uh, recruiting tour. Uh, also, uh, please let me know. So this church is gonna, has a mission trip to Indian Bible College uh, July 8th through the 22nd. And so uh, Lucky, he's the, the works guy down there um, as far as charge of the shop and projects and everything. And so he's asking me how many people are going. I said, I don't know. So church, I need to find out how many people, um, if you're planning to go, that's not a commitment. It just says, hey, you know what? Yeah, it's on our calendar. Uh, uh, you know, barring any uh, emergencies or things that I have to change, I can go to the uh, Indian Bible College in July. So please uh, let me know after church if you can go so I can get lucky some information down there. Uh, we will pick up Bible study in March, on March 7th. That's the first Thursday in March. Uh, any other announcements? That I'm missing. What anniversaries? We get get anniversaries last Sundays. Last Sunday. How about singleness anniversaries? All right. I'm never going to forget that after going through chapter uh, six, six and seven of First Corinthians. And so singleness is a, is a gift, and so is marriage. And so all right, uh, we'll have our uh, praises and prayer requests. Um, I need to add my wife to that. I made her horribly sick. Um, I, had, was, I was sick last week, and I uh, um, gave it to her because she lives with me, and she loves me, and so uh, she, she doesn't avoid me like, like the plague when I'm sick, and so I think she got like double of what I had, and so uh, please pray for Michelle, uh, my wife. She's, she is healing up, um, and uh, I always feel awful when I do that. I don't know, I guess that's, that's good that I feel awful for that. But uh, please pray for her. Uh, praises and uh, prayer requests. Yes. Uh, yes, for Charles Maria Rauch. Yes. Yeah, our missionaries to Zambia. All right, other prayer requests? Yes, Wyatt. Yes, right. Pray for Israel and the rapture. That is an awesome prayer. Um, I'd just like to throw another praise out at the, uh, I've been working with a man down at the, uh, at the jail, and um, you know, I, I think he's turned uh, turned a corner as far as I mean, he had all has all he does all the Bible studies. He's like one of three that's done every single Bible study, and I and uh, he's been having a rough couple days. And uh, I think I, I think all that head knowledge is starting to seep down to his heart. And so, just pray for pray for Clifford Oldhorn. 
Clifford Oldhorn. It's a praise, but also a prayer request. Any other praises? Yes. Uh, we always pray for our politicians. You know, yes. They seem to be hell bent on legislating over on Right. And we need to pray that they. Right. And that reminds me, we need to pray for our military. We lost some uh, warriors recently. And just pray for all, all, the, all the military members deployed and, and on missions. All right, any other prayer requests or praises? Ask for prayer for Gary. Yes, okay. Okay. All right, any other prayer requests or praises? All right, let's go ahead and bow our heads and go, and go to the throne. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the ability to come to you. Lord, you, uh, our, our, our prayers go directly to you, Lord, because of your Son. Uh, Lord, we just ask you would uh, um, heal those who need to be healed, Lord, and we, we pray for physical healing for Jerry, Lord. I'd ask to be able to uh, go find a doctor and and uh, get things straightened out. Lord, uh, also pray for my wife that uh, she would go over the sickness that I gave her. Lord, pray for uh, the Rouches um, in their missionary endeavors, but also for Maria to continue healing from uh, the monkey bite she got. Uh, and also, Lord, we pray for Israel. We pray for the, all the people over there, the, for the Palestinians, for the Arabs, Lord. Lord, uh, if they just only knew the truth of you, Lord, and your son. Lord, that joy in their heart would just be overflowing, Lord. And so we ask for salvation for all the people over there, the Jews, the Arabs, the Palestinians, and the Iranians, the Persians, Lord. We just pray for their salvation. Lord, we pray for all the military members deployed around the world and here, and here at home. Lord, also be with the families, Lord. We, Lord, we pray for peace for the families of the uh, fallen, uh, three fallen soldiers, army soldiers that... Uh, gave their life, Lord. We just just be with their families, Lord, and give them peace and comfort, Lord. Lord, we uh, pray for the continue. Uh, we continue to give thanks for the prison ministry or the jail ministry here at Lake County, Lord. I just uh, what a mighty work you're doing down there, Lord. And I just thank you for the privilege to do that, Lord. Pray for the inmates down there specifically. I pray for Clifford Oldhorn, Lord, that you would. Uh, uh, show him the peace that only comes through a relationship with you, Lord. Lord, he has all the head knowledge, Lord. He has given all the right answers on paper. Lord, I just pray that you would use that and convict his heart, Lord, of, that, of the joy that comes from a relationship with you. Lord, and we do pray for the rapture. We pray that you would come quickly, Lord, but I pray that you would use us to the fullest until that day, Lord. We don't know the day. We don't know this, uh, the hour. And so, Lord, we endeavor every day to serve you, to be witnesses, to be ambassadors for you in our homes, in our places of uh, business, and uh, in our community, Lord, and in this state and the nation, Lord. We just love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. So as we go into our time of worship this morning, I'd like us to think about the word benefit. So if we're part of an organization or even at our job, there's typically benefits that come with that, um, and especially being part of a family. So a family 
We look out for one another. We care for one another. We try to make sure everybody has a place to sleep. Everybody has food. Um, we celebrate together. And we cry together. So what does it mean if we're part of the family of God and the benefits that we receive when, we're, when we have that relationship with Him? We're going to read together uh, Psalms 103, and it's a, it's a great example of, of the benefits we receive from God. A uh, few of them uh, just... We receive forgiveness. We receive healing. We receive uh, redemption. And most of all, we receive His love. And so I want us to focus on that this morning as we go into our time of worship. I hope you all are enjoying reading Scripture together as a church family, because I do. Um, So we're good. Psalms 103 is a little longer than we've been reading, but that's okay. Um, I'll read verse 1, you all read verse 2, and so on. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Who forgiveth all thine inequities, who healeth all thy diseases. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are best. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto, unto children's children. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for those gifts and benefits that You give us. And all we have to do is be a member of Your family, Lord, to trust in You and believe in You that that You are our Savior and our Redeemer. Lord, we just thank You so much this morning and we want to offer up praise to You in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.
thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your
for Sunday school. And uh, who's teaching Sunday school? I guess I am. Oh, Carly is okay. <laughs> Not that I would, I, I wouldn't shy away from that. Sean, you're on. Mike, you're on. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, we just uh, thank you for the children. In our church, Lord, just uh, be with all the Sunday school teachers. Be with uh, Miss Carly, Lord, as she teaches the children in our church. We're so thankful for the children, Lord. May we look to them as examples, Lord, that uh, we just listen and open up our hearts and we dismiss any preconceived ideas and thoughts or uh, that we had on the subject, Lord, and we just submit to your word, Lord. We submit to your word every single time. Lord, we just love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys. All right, get a cough drop here. Well, as usual, today's sermon is my most favorite passage for the week. I got to admit, I went a little crazy this week because uh, there's a lot of Old Testament isms, stories uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, and I don't think we're going to get through it today. We may have to have a have a, have a part two of a of a of a part four. <laughs> so, anyways, we are in First Corinthians. We've been going through the book, chapter, verse. We find ourselves this morning in First Corinthians ten. I'm going to read the first uh, twelve verses here, and that's what we're going to focus on today. First Corinthians ten. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all your fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. 
For they drank in that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed and fell in, in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and, uh, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that think that he standeth take heed, lest he fall. There's a lot there, folks. There's a lot there, and I'm really excited to get into it this morning. So this is essentially part four of a series that we're doing on, on uh, Christian liberty. We started in chapter 8, and we will uh, end the, uh, the, the uh, series in Christian liberty in, at the end of chapter 11. But for the past few Sundays, we have been learning about our liberty in Christ and how it is exercised. This concept is that our freedom in Christ is bound by our love for one another and our love for God. <clears throat> this concept was explained, as previously mentioned, in chapter 8. This concept was then illustrated a few Sundays ago concerning Paul's right to financial support that he chose, but uh, he did not exercise it, or he chose not to exercise it. Today we learn about another illustration from the Old Testament, from the nation of Israel, of this concept concerning uh, the Christian liberty. And then after today's sermon, maybe after next Sunday's though, then after that this concept of Christian liberty will be applied in verses 10, chapter, or chapter 10, verses 13, all the way through 11. And yes, that, that includes the, the scriptures that we uh, use during the Lord's Supper. There's a lot more to that story in 1 Corinthians 11 concerning the Lord's Supper. By way of review, though, we are to consider one another's triggers and weaknesses and not exercise our freedom in Christ, being focused, rather, on the fulfillment of the law of Christ. We're not uh, um, Christian liberty seekers. We are love seekers, right? Being focused on the, uh, focused on the salvation of all who, who we come into contact with. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye another's burdens, and so fill the law of Christ. When you set aside your Christian liberty for a brother and sister who is struggling with something, you are observing the law of Christ. Yes, it is your right, but you put it aside not to offend a brother and a sister. When you sacrificially set aside your Christian liberty for a lost person, you are holding true to the law of Christ. And that is the main and the only focus and purpose of the church is to bring people to salvation, to make disciples of men. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free, and be not entangled again 
with that yoke of bondage. What is that yoke of bondage? That's an atonement law that says you need to do this every month in, in order for your sins to be covered. We're free from that, folks. We're free from that atonement law. We have Jesus Christ and His shed blood for us. It's been taken care of. All the sins have been removed by His blood. We don't have to do all these works things. Remember, salvation in Jesus Christ is not works-based. You don't work to retain it. And I know I say that every single Sunday, and I'll continue to say that. Once saved, always saved. You cannot work for your salvation or work to attain it, because if we do, then I'm going straight to hell, folks, because I ain't good enough to work for it. We have learned that Jesus provided a one-and-done for all-time blood sacrifice by the shedding of His blood, the ideal God-man's God blood. It provided a 100% removal of sins and our eternal salvation upon belief in Him. Romans 10, 9-10 says, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Done. Period. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's always a heart issue, isn't it? We're going to learn today in the Old Testament, it was always a heart issue. You can do all the sacrifices, you can burn all the incense, but you know what? If you read, read in Psalms, David says, it's our love, it's our belief in Him. It's our sacrifice to Him in our heart. That's what matters. Grace from God then supplies the 100% indwelling and filling of the Holy Spirit to enable us to live the law of Christ, or the law of love. Simply stated, our freedom in Christ is guided and measured by our love for God, our love for our brothers and sisters, and our love to see lost people saved. Today, then, we have before us an example an illustration of exercising our Christian liberty for occasions of the flesh, where, you know, there's always something to learn from somebody's mistakes. Or uh, when you, you know, look on the news or look into history, history mistakes. We need history, folks. We need to understand what went wrong. We need to see, yeah, that's what those people did. Guess what? It didn't work out for them so well. So we should not repeat that. Erasing history is a tragedy that's going on in this country, folks. We're going to simply start repeating the same stupid mistakes that, that we did if we, don't, if we erase our history. So the, the, the Christian liberty here, using it for the occasion of the flesh, for our own personal gain and the ruin that follows, that's going to be the focus of today. We, we see, we've been seeing what uh, Christian liberty, what we're supposed to do with it. We're today we're going to kind of learn what we're not supposed to do with it. The concept of using our Christian liberty for gratification of the flesh is against God's law. It is a love of self due to the sin of pride. I know the, the, the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all sin. And uh, uh, Now that's not saying that money is the root of all sin. It says the, the love of, the pride of. Pride is what causes sin in our heart, folks. And that's what the Corinthians were, were struggling with, and that's what the nation of Israel is struggling with, and that's what we struggle with today, folks. Yep. Galatians 5.13, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, 
Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. You have Christian liberty. You are free. What are you free from? You are free from condemnation. You don't have to work for your salvation anymore, folks. You are free to serve in love and joy. That's the joy of the Lord. Not having to worry about yourself, not being condemned, but serving because you love your neighbor, love your brother, love your sister. You love that lost person. You're not doing it to retain your salvation. You're doing it because you generally love them and you have joy for them. That's where that, uh, uh, that, that's where that energy comes from, folks. Joy. So history, again, I mentioned, is a great teacher, isn't it? That is what the Old Testament does for us. And I love the Old Testament. You know, you read the New Testament, say, well, you know, um, you, you, you know, we tend to think that Paul had all these verses, had the whole Bible with him when he was walking around to all these countries. He was preaching the gospel by use of the Old Testament. Yes. Think about it. Uh, leading so many people to Jesus Christ using only the Old Testament, because that's all they had. They were uh, Paul and the, and the different apostles and the, of the authors of the various books here. They weren't uh, reading their own. Peter wasn't reading First Peter. He was preaching out of the Old Testament about Jesus Christ. So we have here the history of the people of God today in the nation of Israel. They demonstrated that the enjoyment of high privilege does not guarantee final blessing. We, when we started this series in, in the Corinthians, the Corinthian church was blessed. They, had all, they were lacking in no gifts. They had all the spiritual gifts. They were a, a, a blessed church by God, and yet they had some big problems. They had sin of pride, which caused a lot of problems. So despite, uh, back to the nation of Israel, despite the incredible blessings and privileges, the Shekinah glory, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, the manna, the quail, the water from, you know, from the rock, they had all these blessings. And yet, we will read here in just a second, most were disqualified. They didn't make it to the promised land. They blew it due to their unbelief. They disqualified themselves for service, and God took them out. Why did the Israelites perish in the wilderness? They exercised their high privilege of God's people and all the freedom and blessings that come from that privilege. Simply stated, they lacked faith in God. They lacked faith in Jehovah, Yahweh. Um, as I was uh, typing that out here, I was, I was recalling when I was in um, Iraq, I spent 14 months in Iraq, right after the, the, uh, the invasion of 2003. And it's hard. We, you, uh, yes, we gave them freedom, but not in the sense that we think freedom. When they, when they were, were, were relieved of the dictatorship there uh, for, from um, Saddam Hussein, People literally went crazy doing all sorts of craziness. It was very selfish freedom. And uh, we had to deal with that. And they're like, hey, you know, why are you telling us what to do? And they, we were helping the Iraqi police. And, it, you know, the people were, were rebelling against the Iraqi police. Like, hey, you gave us freedom. I don't have to follow any more laws anymore. Because they, they had never known freedom like we have here. 
it's very foolish to, I think, to try and impose a freedom like we have here on, on a people who, have, who, who really have no idea of what the responsibility of freedom means. We have a lot of responsibility, folks, in our freedom here. But people, you just give somebody freedom and they just go crazy with it. And that's what happened with the, with the nation of Israel here. That's what's happening with the Corinthian church. Oh, I got saved. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Man, I can do it, you know, you know, anything I want, and you just have to put up with it because I have freedom. No, that's not, that's not the freedom we're talking about. So starting verse 1 here, and I, I, I apologize. I have a ton of Bible references. Um, they're all in the, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, um, um, insert there. Um, uh, about half of them are on the screen, um, all the main passages, but you might have to crack, crack your Bible open today, folks, because we're going be, to be running the Old Testament and New Testament. And I'm going to read uh, the verses a little bit out of, out of order, because I want to get to the examples of warning. So starting at verse 1, Moreover, brethren, what does that mean, moreover, or for, or therefore? It means in consideration of what I just preached to you in chapter 9. And let's and that's what, uh, uh, what was chapter 9 about. It, it, that last section was about running the race, running and finishing well, earning the crown, earning the prize. That's what we talked about last week. It says, uh, verse, verse 27, But I keep my body and bring it unto subjection. This is verse nine, or chapter 9, verse 27. And bring it unto subjection, lest that I by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Are you kidding me, Paul? The author of justification by faith is worried about being a castaway? What's he worried about? He's not worried about losing his salvation, folks. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about losing rewards in heaven, being disqualified. Paul knew he was going to heaven. That's, that's taken care of. But he, Paul was worried. Who wrote uh, you know, you know, two-thirds of the Testament. He was worried that he would be disqualified. And so we should be worried about it too. And in reference to that, we go to chapter 10. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. He wants them to know. He said, you need to be informed, folks, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he knew the law. He knew the Old Testament. He knew the prophets. He knew, he knew the Psalms. He knew all of that. And so he, get, he starts in on an example or an illustration from the Old Testament. Well, why is he preaching to the Corinthian church about the Old Testament people? He, well, he must have preached to them about it. They must have had some knowledge about it in, in order for him to make a, a metaphor out of it, an example. Verse 2, and we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. When you hear that word baptized, we're not thinking about the, um, the wet baptism in, in, uh, in uh, Flathead Lake here. Where's uh, Wyatt at? Where's, oh, oh, that's it. We're going to get Wyatt baptized in the, in the lake, so that's, we'll probably wait till June or July or when it's a little bit warmer. Anyways, so we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and the sea. Paul's re- Paul referenced the links to the past in the Old Testament to the nation of Israel, to the present time where he's talking to the Corinthians. And today, we're going to do um, Israel, um, uh, Church of Corinth, and then us. He projects the meaning of baptism into Christ, unto Moses, and the Exodus. 
We're not talking, again, we're not talking about water baptism, but identification with God, which is what baptism is. It's putting on your jersey. It says, hey, I'm with Jesus now. Baptism does not save, folks. The shed blood of Jesus Christ saves. Your belief in that saves. We just read in, uh, in Romans, Romans 10, it doesn't say that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thy heart and then get baptized in water, that thou shalt be saved. It doesn't say that. Baptism is simply an identification that says, yes, I'm saved. I want people to know that I'm with Jesus. It's putting on your Jesus jersey, essentially. And so the Israelites, they were baptized into Moses. They identified with Moses, with the nation. You know, you, you look at the nation of Israel. They went into Egypt as a family, and they came out as a nation. I think for us, Three, what, three, four hundred years. <clears throat> and so they, this, this, they, they were baptized into Moses. It signified their covenant relationship with Jehovah, with, Yah, with Yahweh. Moses was the mediator of the first covenant, which became obsolete. Christ is a mediator of the new covenant of what we follow now. Verse 3, And did all eat the same spiritual meat? The word meat here means... All, all food, all, all sustenance. And the term spiritual here means the source of that sustenance. The physical and spiritual provision and sustenance from God. Well, that's what we do at church, isn't it? We come here to get spiritual food. The nation, they did it through the, the, uh, uh, being a nation. We do it today through church. What's the church? It is Jesus. Jesus is the church. Verse 4, And did all drink the same spiritual drink? The word drink here means to drink, you know, water or liquid, but also implies to receive into the soul what serves to refresh and strengthen and nourish it unto life eternal. You can, um, I think the stats are you can only live uh, for about three days without water. I think you can go like, like a month without food. But you got to have water, folks. The physical and spiritual thirst quenching from God. Again, that's why we come to church. That's why we come together in fellowship. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we have prayer. To quench our thirst for God, for His Word. Again, the nation did that through Moses. We do that through, through Jesus Christ at, at the, in the church. Now, the church did not replace the nation. The, the church is a temporary thing for, um, uh, for a time. And uh, after the rapture and the tribulation starts, God's focus, lasers focus right back onto, onto, uh, onto Israel. Uh, continuing in verse 4, For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Jesus is that rock. Obviously, they, they didn't know that they were following Jesus through, through Moses, but, we, but now it's been revealed. We know who was doing all that work. Jesus is the Word. Ephesians 4, 4-5 uh, says, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in all. It's the same God. It's the same Savior. It's the same Son of God. Verse 5, But with many of them, God was not well pleased. Ouch. 
They went through all of that. They were in the nation. They followed Moses. Now, we're going to, we're going to continue reading here. This doesn't mean that the whole nation of Israel went to hell when they were killed. Just like church today, there was people who had true belief in Yahweh. Today, there's people in churches who have true belief in Jesus. But also, in the nation, there were some people who didn't believe. They were just following the crowd. They were receiving of the benefits of being part of the nation, but they weren't really giving anything. And like in churches today, you have a lot of people in church who are there to receive the benefits, to, to be there for, um, for potluck on Sunday. But you know what? They're not really saved. It's just a social thing for them. So God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. The word overthrown, uh, we tend to think like a government, you know, like a coup or something, but if you uh, read the original Greek, it says to, to be strewn over the ground, to, to lay prostate. For 40 years, they wandered around the wilderness. There were over one million corpses of disqualified Israelites strewn all over the desert where they wandered for 40 years. They were just flayed. They were just left, left for dead, a bunch of corpses in, in that wilderness. It uh, should have only taken them maybe maybe 7 to 14 days to get when they were going, but they wandered for 40 years. That was their punishment, folks. They weren't allowed to go into the promised land. And it says, but with many of them, God was not, not well pleased. Well, that's, that's the understatement of the year, folks. So the classic understatement here says that from that generation of all who came out of Egypt, and so that's the generation that died, that, that died. they were not allowed. They all perished, all the adults did, but two. Caleb and Joshua were the only two adults from that generation who were allowed into the promised land. What about Moses? Nope. He disqualified himself too. If you read, read the story about Moses, that, that a last rock he, he, he uh, struck, he said that God was angry with, with the people and he struck the rock. But God said, no, I wasn't angry with, with the people and you misrepresented me. Therefore, you're not allowed to go to the, uh, the, uh, the uh, promised land. That's a harsh, harsh penalty. But we know that God, God has more for Moses, don't we? So two adults were allowed for, from that generation and so we have all these corpses that, that, that they were overthrown all over the wilderness area. Why was God not pleased with many of them, with all of them essentially except two? They abused their freedom given to them when they left Egypt. They abused their rights. They took advantage of their privileges as God's children. The Israelites longed to return to Egypt, and they carried their idols with them. Although recipients of God's daily provision, they still perished because of their disbelief. And you know what? In God's love, even though that generation was not allowed to go to the promised land, guess what? He still fed them. He still gave them water. He gave them a, a forever Nikes. Their shoes never wore out. Really, I, what an amazing miracle. Yet they were still not allowed. They were disqualified, but God took care of them anyways. 
Verse 6, Now these examples, or now these things, were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Paul saying, hey, these stories here, don't do that. That's the way to not do it. What evil things? Uh, the five historical examples here, they coveted, they engaged in idolatry, they were committing sexual immorality, they were testing the Lord, and they were grumbling or complaining against the Lord. I really like that word murmur. It, 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 it's how it sounds too. When you're murmuring, it sounds just like what you're doing. This is more than just a history lesson, folks. The Corinthians were to see their own reflection in the mirror of these historical events that Paul is going to talk about here in just a second. And that's what we should be doing. Say, well, that's the God of the Old Testament. Certainly he wouldn't do that to me. The same God, folks. The same God. I'm going to skip ahead to verses 11 and 12, and then we're going to get into the stories. And so at the end of all these stories, Paul says, Now all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition. That's what the whole, the whole of, the, of the Old Testament. You should be reading the Old Testament. You should be, uh, be in there learning from, from really, I mean, I, mean, I mean, there's a lot of mistakes that they made in the Old Testament. It is an example for our learning of what not to do. Upon whom, who? The ends of the world are come. Who are the examples for? It's for the age of people that are at the end of the world. Who is that, folks? That's us. That's us, folks. Now, all these things happen to them, for examples. God is a God of history. He teaches us. He shows us. He tells us what to do and what not to do. He's the same God. He does not change. He hates sin, yet he loves the sinner. We are in that age of the ends of the world are come. We are an end times church. Every church after the ascension of Jesus Christ is an end times church. You look at the apostles, you look at the Peter, Paul, they were expecting the rapture to happen in their time. They were waiting. Verse 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That's the main, the key verse to this passage today, folks. If you think you know, then guess what? You're going to take a fall. Avoid misplaced self-reliance and inordinate pride. Again, this verse here is the key verse for the passages today. And so we get to verse 7. This is, this is warning number 1. And so Paul gives four warnings for us, four stories from the Old Testament for the Corinthians to learn and for us to learn today. 1 Corinthians 10, 7. Neither be idolaters as you as uh, were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Again, as it is written, that's, that's the flag in your Bible that says, hey, look at me, I'm special. Go to the Old Testament. I'm in there somewhere. Go look. As it is written, we read in Exodus 32.6, as they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. 
That word play, it means debauchery. It means sexual, sexual sin. And, and this is a picture of when Moses is coming down off, off, uh, off the mount with the, with, the, uh, with the Ten Commandments, and they uh, made that, that, uh, that graven image, the uh, golden calf. And the people are having a partay. They're naked. They're in debauchery. They're, they're reveling. They're laughing. It's a drunken orgy. And Moses is not happy. I mean, God's not happy. The word idolatry, it's a worshiper of false gods. A Christian who worships anyone or anything, including self, that's what idolatry is. Uh, somebody who attends to idol sacrificial feasts, eats, and re- eats the remaining food offered to the idol, a, a covetous man or prideful of money. And that was the problem with the Corinthian church. They were partaking in uh, the meat um, sacrificed to idols. They, they just weren't taking the meat home and eating it in their own home. They were going to these feasts. That's where you pretty much ate all the, uh, uh, um, all the meat. I mean, they didn't have uh, you know, refrigerators. They had to butcher and then cook and eat. Butcher and then cook and eat. And so how they would do that is they'd have a big old potluck every time that they were feeding meat. And so what was going on in Greek society, these feasts were, they were occasion for, for drinking. They were occasion for sexual orgies. This is all going on. And the Corinthians are saying, you know what? It's okay. When I go to these feasts, I, I eat the meat. What? The meat's nothing, right? And there is no, there is no um, uh, you know, other gods. All that, you know, that orgy going over there, I'm reading God's word over here and I'm praying and I'll be okay. All that drinking and all that revelry and all that gamble, you know what? It's over there. I'm not partaking in it. Uh, I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to you know, read my Bible and pray. As I was thinking of this, I'm going to use, use the example of men's breakfast. Imagine, folks, if you found out that at men's breakfast that, that we have everyone and, and, and every man's invited. Uh, we have men's breakfast at the bowling alley at um, uh, 9 o'clock on Wednesday mornings. I think in the summer they move to 8, right? Anyways, we'd love to have you. It's a multi-church. It's just not a Lake City Baptist Church thing. It's a men's breakfast. All brothers come together and share a meal. But imagine, church, if you found out that the men were going to breakfast and, and in the bowling alley, they were, they were, um, over there by the pool tables, there's a big old or, uh, uh, um, orgy going on. They're like, Jeremy, are you going to the men's breakfast? Well, yeah, but we just read the Bible. We, don't, we just avoid that. Okay. Uh, what, what, if, what if in this area there was like gambling going on? A bunch, of, a bunch of drunks over here, and it was loud, and it was crazy, and, and there was cursing and, and awful things going on. Say, well, well what about that, Jeremy? Uh, I don't pay attention to that. Um, I just read the Bible, and I pray, and, and I eat my eggs. Do you think that that's a valid excuse for me to go to men's breakfast in that environment? Absolutely not. I'm not going to go to men's breakfast if that's going on. But that's what they were doing. That's what the Corinthians were doing. It was causing people to stumble. If I went to that men's breakfast and all that was going on, what would you think of me? I would cause you to stumble. Jeremy's going to this crazy place with all these awful things going on, but he just says he's reading his Bible. He says he won't be affected by any of that. You should be worried about your pastor if he's doing that. And that would be causing you to stumble, right? So I'm not going to go do that. But the Corinthians, they were saying, hey, you know, we know, we know, we have the knowledge. We are strong in our faith. Uh, we, can, we can go do that. 
folks, you're going to cause somebody to stumble. You may be able to have the strength in order to avoid all that, but I'm telling you, not every may, not everybody may not have the strength. There may be weak brethren, like, man, why is Pruitt going to all that stuff? Is he partaking in that? Maybe I, I can partake in it. I guess it's okay. You're causing a weak brother to stumble yeah. when, you know, when you do that. You know, let alone, you know, my witness. Somebody's lost. Like, is that what Christianity is about? Oh, I don't want to cause people to stumble, especially those lost people. So I'm not going to do that. So that's what's going on here, and that's what was happening in the nation of Israel uh, at, when they made the golden calf. That's what happened in the Corinthian church. <clears throat> and so I'm going to go ahead and read from Exodus 32. I'm only, only going to get through the first warning today, uh, and that's okay. So the first warning here is from Exodus 32, 1, 1 through 6. And I encourage you to turn your Bibles there. Exodus 32, 1 through 6. Let's find out what's really going on here. Exodus 32, 1 through 6. Silly me thought we were going to get through two of them. <laughs> Warning number one. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 7. So the sin here is found in Exodus 32, 1 through 6, what Paul is referencing. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. We, we don't know. He's, is he stuck off of the mountain? He's never going to come down? What's going on? And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives for your sons and uh, your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of Egypt, out of the, uh, or up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up. To play, they made a god <coughs> to represent Yahweh. I think it would be better off if they would have like chose some, um, um, some other god in Egypt. But they made that calf to represent Yahweh, Jehovah God, that brought them out of Egypt. What a horrible, disgusting thing! Why does God hate idolatry? You read the Old Testament; He always uh, uses, or uh, almost always uses. The, the, the idea of adultery, you, you adulterous generation, you're always cheating on God. That's how God, God sees it. But see, the people in the Old Testament, they, they would worship Jehovah God, Yahweh, and this other God, and this other God, and, and this other God. They weren't just getting rid of Yahweh, they were lumping him in with, with all the other gods. And so think about it, men especially, but women... Too. What if your husband said, you know, I, I, I worship and I adore you, but I really want to have four other women in the house to, um, um, to worship and adore. How, spouses, are you going to feel about that? Are you okay? I mean, you shouldn't be, but that's why God was so hurt and crushed. You, he was, you were, they were lumping him with all these other false gods. That's why it was adultery. Having all these other gods in the, in the house. 
And so what was the punishment for this? Exodus 32, 28, and 35, and 27. And he said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, and go in and out from, from gate to gate throughout the camp, and slay every man his brother, and every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell, about, fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. Verse 35, And the Lord plagued the people, because they made the calf which Aaron made. So what about the church in uh, Corinth? How does that relate to them? What's, what's Paul trying to make an example of here? Well, well the sin here in, in, in the Corinthian church. They were saying in 1 Corinthians 8.1, Oh, we know that we have all the knowledge, Paul. We know. We are, we are the knowers. The, the, the ill-used Christian liberty users. Oh, they know. I know. Eating food sacrificed to idols amongst idolatrous feasts involving play and debauchery and sexual immorality. That's what they were doing. So you know, you know what, Paul? It's okay for us. Basically, the letter, because remember, Paul um, is still addressing everything that, that they wrote in their letter. Uh, and back, you know, back to Paul. It's basically a letter of grumbling and uh, complaining. We'll read probably next Sunday. Say, hey, you know what, Paul? We know we're going to do this. We've already you know, made up our minds. We're okay go, um, going to the men's breakfast with all the orgies and gambling and, and, uh, and uh, drinking. We know we just focus on the Bible. That's what they were doing. 1 Corinthians 8.4 As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things, they are offered in sacrifice unto idols. We know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. That's a good theology, just, just applied in the wrong way. The warning here, the, in 1 Corinthians 10.14, he says, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. God hates idolatry. Uh, going on in 1 Corinthians 10, 19-20. What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered and sacrificed to idols is anything? But I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. So whenever you hear like there's, there's a false god, there's a demon behind that. It's just not a nothing. That's the work of Satan, folks. You are worshiping a, a false god conceived by Satan himself. So you're, you're, it, the, they were worshiping false, uh, false uh, uh, idols, false gods that were fruits of, of, of Satan, essentially. So what was the punishment here for the Corinthian church? God will not let idolatry and prideful knowledge continue without consequences. And so for us today, what does that mean? The sin for today, for us in the church. Prideful people full of self-knowledge. I know, I know, you have to listen to me because I'm the end-all, be-all of everything Bible. Yeah, Jeremy, but it... Um, in the context it says that. No, I say it says that because I know. Check your Bible, folks. I hope you're checking your Bible every time after Sunday and checking my work. Please, check my work. Sometimes I need to be corrected too. 
The I know but people. We have these people in every walk of life. The, um, the IKBs, I watch a commercial, and boy, they're the world's full. The, the I know but people. Well, yes, Jeremy, I know, um, but you know, I'm not really called to go to church anymore. Uh, well, it says in Hebrews, uh, brother, that you're supposed to go to church. I know, but I have church in myself. Um, I, you know, or the or the mountains are like, hey, you really shouldn't go hunting on Sundays uh, during hunting season. I know, Jeremy, but the mountains are my church. The animals they speak to me when the winds are going through the leaves. I know, I, I know, Jeremy. I know, but the IKBs, worshippers, idolaters of self who think they know better. Worshippers, idolaters of things that are taking time and resources away from God. Yeah, Jeremy, I know I'm supposed to be in church, but I have a golf tournament. I know, but I really have to go do this non-church thing on Sunday that's stealing away time from God. Well, brother, it says we're supposed to get... I know, I know. I need to go do this. So what's the warning? The Pro, in Proverbs 16, 18 through 19... Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. What's the punishment then for us today? If we choose to make up our own rules for worship and living, we will be disqualified. Remember, this whole passage is based off chapter 9. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, these people disqualified themselves. They got taken out. Don't be those people. <clears throat> we will be disqualified. We will not able to be able to win any crowns. We will, not, we will suffer loss at the judgment seat of Christ. We will not be able to store up rewards in heaven. We'll have an em- empty storehouse when we get there. Or you're getting there, for sure. Why? Because that was taken care of by the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, we're talking about crowns and rewards and inheritance, being disqualified for any of that. First, uh, 2 Timothy 2.5 says, And if a man also strive for masteries, yet, it is he not, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. You can't make up your own folks or, or uh, rules, folks. Say, well, you know, I, I know that I'm supposed to go to church, so that's why I stay at home and I watch on TV. That's, that's my church. There's, I have a really favorite church in Florida that I like to watch, and it's really um, uplifting, and he's a good pastor. I, I, I'm sure he, he does good preaching. I'm sure it's a good church. I'm sure you're learning stuff there. But it ain't church, folks. It's not. You've got to follow the rules. God says, do not forsake yourselves coming together. Those are the rules. That's what we're supposed to do. Again, note here, you will go to heaven, and there will be much joy, but there will be more joy with many crowns and rewards to throw at the feet of Jesus. We talk about, we've been talking about these crowns and rewards and inheritance. Why do we want all that? I want all that stuff so I can throw at the feet of Jesus, because that's where it comes from. It only comes from him, and I want a whole humongous to throw at his feet. And that should be the goal of every believer in Jesus Christ. We should all want that. We should all want many crowns and rewards. Revelation 4, 10 through 11. The raptured church 
in the throne room. We went through uh, chapter 4 in, in our Bible study. What an amazing, an amazing passage. The four and twenty, uh, and 20 elders fall down before him and sat at the throne. The four and 24 elders, we learn in Revelation Bible study, that's the church, folks. The church is in heaven in Revelation 4. They are in the throne room. And worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Everything is for His glory. Everything is for His pleasure. All the credit goes to Him. We do nothing without Jesus Christ. We do absolutely nothing. That's warning number one. I got three more here, and I'm not going to do that today because I don't want uh, people to leave. <laughs> so uh, many warnings we have today to learn from. We got three more. I encourage you to read ahead, read the rest of chapter ten. We're you see we're starting to get into the Lord's Supper passage in, in 1 Corinthians 11. You, you see little hints of it in this in this passage. And so read the rest of the passage. Get into it. Read, read the Old Testament stories. Get on the computer. I was just talking with I'm, uh, I'm Craig and Elaine today. We are blessed in this generation with the Internet. We have access to so much knowledge of the Bible. You don't have to take a, 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 a class in Hebrew or Greek anymore. You can go to uh, online, the online concordance, the Blue Letter Bible, man. Check it out. Blue Letter Bible. It is an awesome app, folks. It tells you everything you need to know about every single word in the Bible. You don't even need, need a physical concordance anymore. I mean, really, honestly, uh, you, you have your, we have, a, we have a, a phone or a, a computer we have in our hand. A Bible right here. So many Bibles. Get into it. Check it. Learn it. I want to close on the gospel message here. Again, we're talking about disqualification. We're not talking about salvation, but I do want to talk about salvation. Our salvation verse today is Romans 10, 9-10. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. In the heart, the mouth. Believe in the heart. Jeremy, how do the Old Testament saints um, um, get saved? The same way we do. Belief in their heart. They were looking forward to a Messiah. We look back to a Messiah. But we're all looking forward to the rapture. Amen? Amen. We'll go ahead and close uh, with the song here. So we're going to teach you a new song today to close the service. And fittingly enough, it's titled, The Lord is My Salvation. I want to share uh, Psalms 27, verse 1 with you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This song is kind of a testimonial type song. So my prayer this morning is that each and every one of you can sing this with the truth of it in your heart. So let's stand together and sing.
grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea. And I am safe on the solid ground. The Lord is my salvation. I will not fear when darkness Help me scale these walls. I see the dawn of the rising sun. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord our God? Strong to Each promise of his word. When winter fades, I know spring will come. The Lord is my salvation. In times of waiting, times of need. When I know loss, when I am weak. His grace will renew these days. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord our God? Strong to save, faithful in love. My dead is paid and the victory won. The Lord the final day. He will not leave me in the grave, but I will rise. He will call me home. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the Lord our God? Strong to
God impressed upon me to know that I need a Savior. I'm so glad that God impressed upon me to know that I can't do anything without Him. And I'm glad that God gave me the calling to know. I mean, it took a couple times on the hammer on the head to know my calling. And so figure out your calling. Every ministry comes out of the church, folks. It's where we get fed. It's where we get our drink. It's where we get our fellowship. Let's go ahead and close the word of prayer. Dear Lord, we just uh, thank you for this message, for this example that you've given us, Lord, in 1 Corinthians 10 and um, going back to your nation when they came out of Egypt, Lord. Lord, we are your people, Lord. We, we are your children. And so we come to you in thanksgiving. We come to you in supplication. We come to you in prayers, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word. We are so blessed that we have your world, your word, a historical uh, 